11. John chapter 11. And we'll, uh, in our uh, series through, Behold the Lamb of God. We've reached John chapter 11. Uh, let me ask you, if you would, in honor to the word, when you get there, to stand and uh, we'll read the scriptures from verse uh, 32 to verse 45. John chapter 11, verse 32 to verse 45. And if you follow along there, uh, we're going to see the resurrection of Lazarus. I, if I was to give a show of hands and asking how many people, how many of you have, have met someone that's been four days in the grave and risen from the dead, you wouldn't be anybody to raise their hand, I don't think. Uh, and uh, so we want to meet a man like that today. And so Lazarus raised from the dead, the resurrection of Lazarus. And we're going to start though down into John 11 a little bit, verse uh, 32, down to verse 45 for our reading this morning. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, Where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. And then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Therefore Jesus again groaning in himself cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. And Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. And Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldst believe, thou shouldst see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lift up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but... Because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. When he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his, his face was bound uh, about with a, a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. And our Heavenly Father, we ask that you would bless the reading of thy word. We know that the power of God resides in the word of God and that if anything eternal gets done today, it was, it's going to have to be the Holy Spirit of God taking the word of God and doing that. And so I pray that if, as we've read it and heard it, uh, Lord, that you would uh, uh, help us to, through the help of the Holy Spirit, uh, understand what it means to us and respond to it. We ask your blessing on the reading of thy word now in Jesus' name. Amen. And look forward to that more and more as the world makes it uh, more and more difficult to get along with in this, uh, in this present culture. And so uh, thank God for the, that uh, great truth, that great reminder. Take your Bible back to John chapter 11 as we uh, take a look at the, uh, the raising of uh, Lazarus. Um, all of us that our parents have raised kids, but we haven't raised kids the way that Jesus raised Lazarus. So, so uh, we uh, thank God for this great account. John, John the Apostle was a very young man when he uh, was uh, accompanying with the Lord Jesus as one of his disciples, probably in his 20s. 
and was uh, uh, carrying through the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ and carrying on uh, past that through the early days of the churches and carrying on past all the other uh, apostles and he had seen the lives and deaths of all the other apostles and seen Paul called and saved and uh, taken into the ministry and Paul's great ministry and church planting and uh, missionary endeavors. He'd seen the three uh, missionary trips that Paul took with those that were with him. He'd been involved in uh, all of these things. He'd been involved with the churches and uh, he's the only one left now. It's, it's uh, many, many years later. It's 60 years after the event that we're reading about today that he's writing these words. The apostle is an old man. He's lonely because there's no one left, no one else left but him uh, from that era, from that uh, generation, from that uh, apostolic age. He's the last, he's the last man standing. And uh, he's a lonely man in, in Ephesus writing these words uh, all these years later. The time he writes about is about four months after the events that we covered in the previous chapter in John chapter 10. It's about four months later. It's the spring of the year now. It's near the time of Passover and it will be the last Passover uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ will in this season become the Passover lamb, the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. He will be the fulfillment of the uh, type of the sacrificial lambs that have been shed, uh, whose blood has been shed down through the ages until that, this present week. So we're entering into that uh, last time, those last days of our Lord Jesus and the uh, the Apostle John ha has recorded things that uh, uh, are not present in some of the other uh, Gospels. And he has, he has presented the Lord Jesus Christ in a light that uh, reflects the fullness of His glory and the fullness of His deity uh, even more fully than any of the other Apostles had done. This was the purpose that the Holy Spirit gave to John in writing this account all these years later. later and though he be in his 90s at this time, he's writing from the help of the Holy Spirit of God and not just from his own recollections and his own memories. And so uh, we have this uh, event recorded here. It's only recorded in this one gospel. The raising of Lazarus is, doesn't show up in any, any of the other three gospels, but uh, John included it here for us and for our benefit, for our learning. Now, uh, Jesus is, is, is uh, in Bethabara. And that's about 30 miles away from Bethany, uh, where Mary and Martha and Lazarus live. They live in Bethany. It's a town just outside of Jerusalem. It's on the other side. When you go to uh, the Holy Land and you have your trip there, you're going to be in Jerusalem. And you're going to look up there to, the, to your uh, right, and you're going to see the Mount of Olives up to the top. You see all the whited sepulchers on the side of the mount, and you'll look to the olives uh, on the uh, Mount of Olives. You'll see the trees of the olives on top. It's a... Uh, uh, not very far away, you can easily see it uh, to clear to the uh, crest of that hill. But on the other side of that hill, as you go, if you uh, were able to take a walk up and up the hill and down the other side, you, you would come to the uh, area that uh, we're talking about, uh, Bethany, where uh, where Lazarus and Martha and Mary, the uh, this brother and two sisters, lived in Bethany there, and they were well beloved of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. They were very close uh, to our Savior. And uh, 
But uh, what has occurred is four days have passed now, and Jesus, in the account we just read, is there present with him. Four days have gone by uh, since the uh, since Lazarus died. He uh, he died apparently shortly after that. Uh, messengers were sent to go get Jesus. He's in serious condition. He, his death is imminent, and so messengers sent to find Jesus in Bethabara and bring him back in the hope that something could be done. And so uh, that day is spent, and then the Lord Jesus hears the news and tarries two more days there, and then a day of travel there. So it's four days in that uh, we read the account we have just uh, have had put before us. But I want to just point out some things here as we look at the passage and look at some, others, some other background with it. As we go back to the first part of the chapter, you see the care of our Lord in suffering. And uh, let's go back to the first uh, few verses there and take a quick look. Um, Lazarus, town of Bethany there, Mary and Martha there. And um, this was that Mary which anointed uh, the Lord with uh, ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. Uh, and um, his, here's Lazarus sick and his sisters concerned about him. And they're sending word there that uh, Jesus, could he come? Jesus answered, uh, uh, excuse me, verse 7, and after that uh, he saith to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late have sought to stone thee, uh, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, they're not twelve hours in a day. If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there's no light in him. Uh, these things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may wake him out of sleep. And the disciples uh, responded, they said, Lord, if he's sleeping, that's good, isn't it? And we just need to leave him be, let him rest. Uh, but the Bible says he spake not of, it, of him taking rest in sleep, but uh, of his death. And Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead, in verse 14, and I'm glad for your sakes that I wasn't there, to the intent that ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then Thomas, which is called Didymus, we know him as Doubting Thomas sometimes. Thomas, which is called Didymus, Didymus means twin, he apparently had twin brother, said unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. And uh, when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. So uh, that's the background that we have leading up to what we read earlier and we see here the, the fact that uh, there is hardship and suffering, but the hardship and suffering that we face uh, does not suggest that the Lord doesn't love us or care for us. They do not indicate a lack of love on, uh, on the Lord's part for us. The Bible makes it clear that Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, and yet he let them go through this. He let Lazarus die and uh, be buried. He let them go through this suffering, through this agony, through this hardship in their life. He let them go through it, but there was a purpose in it. There's a purpose, and there are always purposes in hardships. You, can, you and me have hardships in our lives. Some of you are going through some present hardships right now and wondering, does God know? Does God care? Does Jesus care? And the answer to that is, yes, Jesus cares, like the song says. He knows the hardships we're going through, and He knows the purposes for those hardships that we are going through. 
one of the things he told them was a purpose in this hardship he allowed was for them to be able to see God's glory. The Lord wants you to, the Lord Jesus wants you to see the glory of God in your life. He wants you to see the glory of Jesus Christ uh, in your life. And so uh, the confidence that uh, we see here um, that uh, men ought to have in Jesus Christ, we see it sometime lacking on our part when we go through hardships. The confidence given men that Jesus Christ is stronger than death itself is what we should uh, recognize in this. And that's what he's trying to show us. He said, to the intent that you might believe. Uh, he let Lazarus die and then he said, let's go. And they, uh, they uh, didn't really understand why after they got there that Lazarus was dead, why they were even there. But he said, to the intent that ye might believe. The ancients said this, even the gods could not return someone from death. That was said of the pagan uh, ancients, the pagan philosophers, the pagan writers, even the gods could not return someone from death. Uh, but the Lord Jesus Christ is just about to do that. So in hardships and in our appeals, we always ought to appeal to the Lord first and foremost. His sisters sent uh, unto Jesus. They sent unto him, verse 2 and 3 told us. His sisters appealed to the Lord Jesus Christ and the example there for us is the same. You and I, when we face the difficulty, we face the hardship, our first appeal needs to be to our Savior, to our Lord Jesus Christ, and, uh, for His help, for His guidance, for His care. Uh, it's often that the Lord does not move like we expect Him to move, you know. Uh, and they expected, the people expected, uh, they said, could not Jesus, who's healed the blind, who, who has... Uh, uh, who has uh, done miracle? Who's turned the water into wine? Who has done miracle after miracle? Who has made the lame to walk? Could not Jesus have come and and uh, kept him from dying? Couldn't he have healed him? And certainly, the answer to that is yes. But it's often that the Lord doesn't move as we expect Him to move. Uh, he abode two days still when they thought it's urgent that He get here. But he stayed two days more. And maybe the disciples themselves said, well, we wonder why we don't take right off. We heard Lazarus is sick and, and you're close to them. You love that family and you have demonstrated and indicated that you uh, want to bless them and help them and meet their needs. And so why aren't we going right now? The Lord doesn't always work the way we expect him to work. But he's, but he's at work even when we don't see his work. He's at hand even when we don't see his hand. And that is what you need to bear in mind as you think about this. Our part, our part is to do what we can see to do and, and to walk in the light. He said there's 12 hours on a day and, uh, you know, when you walk in the light of the sun, the light of the day, you can see where you're going. You, you can't see in the dark. And there's no light in men, intrinsic in men. You don't have light generated from within you. So uh, walk in the light while you have the light. And what the lesson there for us is to do what we know to do and see to do, to do that and then trust God for what we can't see and can't understand. Trust God to carry us and guide us when it is dark all around and we don't get it. We don't understand why this is happening to me and why is this happening to my family and what is the lesson here? And God, what are you doing in my life? I I don't see it. I'm calling for your help, but I don't see it. And Lord, it seems like you're waiting two days and not coming. And why? And so 
walk in the light means that we need to do what we know to do is right and leave the, the dark places to Him. <laughs> leave the places we don't see and understand to his, uh, to his care. And certainly He is there to care for you. The child of God sees death differently than the child of men do. The child of God see death as a temporary state. We know that uh, you know the Bible often terms uh, the often uses the term that Jesus used here of Lazarus. He said he sleepeth. He sleepeth, and Jesus knew that he was already in the grave. He knew that he was uh, buried. He knew that the stone had rolled, been rolled in front of the cave where they laid Lazarus to rest. He knew that, but he said to the disciples, "He sleepeth. He sleepeth." Because for us, that's really what death is. It's a temporary sleep, you know. Our body is laid to rest. Our soul and spirit go on. And the soul and spirit go on eternally. So uh, when he says, it's okay, you know, uh, he sleepeth. We, we don't look at death in the same way that the world has to look at it, at, at it as the end of all things. And how purposeless my life and your life would be if we thought this was it, you know. If this is it. Our few years that we have on the earth, this is it and we die. We got the news this uh, week, a few days ago, that my, one of my brothers-in-law died and suddenly of a heart attack, only 53 uh, years old and, uh, uh, I'm sorry, 63 years old and died of a heart attack, died of a heart attack. And so um, it, it uh, was totally unexpected and he was doing fine and uh, and uh, getting along fine, but uh, pitched over dead of a heart attack. Thankfully, he's a child of God, and he's uh, in heaven now. He's saved, and thank the Lord for that. So we, uh, when his body is laid to rest in the grave, we know that uh, the words said over him and the scriptures read over him will uh, indicate uh, the, the uh, eternal state of his soul and spirit and recognize that the body laid to the ground is simply... Uh, resting in peace, if you will. And so that uh, child of God has a, a different outlook on death than the world has. But the more common human response to great trouble is the one that we see with, uh, with Thomas. And here's Thomas, and he's just, oh, well, you know, you know we, just, we told Jesus if he goes back to Judea, they want him there, they, they, they want him dead there, they've already tried to kill him twice, and they, the word is out that if anybody sees him, let them know so that they can take him. They, they know that. So you, Jesus, you're saying you're going right back there. Bethany's just over the hill from uh, Jerusalem. You're going back into Judah, and you're going back into the furnace, going back into the fire. Uh, we know the outcome of that is not going to be good. And so they, you know, they understood that. The disciples all understood it. And they're debating around, and Thomas says, oh, well, you know, uh, he's, his response to this situation, his response to this great trouble is, um, you know, um, let's just go die with him. <laughs> you know, Let's just go die with him. Let us go that we may die with him, he says in verse 16. Uh, not, not a real positive outlook Thomas ever had. He's uh, resigned, and he's in despair, and he's at the end, and he's given up, and that's not where you and me need to be when trouble comes in our life, not to be resigned and to despair and at the end and giving up, unless it's giving up unto the will of God, unless giving up into the hand of the Lord, unless, giving, unless it's giving up into the uh, purposes of God for our life, then that's a good giving up. But uh, 
Thomas just assumed, well, we're all, you know, we're all doomed. Let's just face our doom uh, in resignation as men. Let's go and die with him. Uh, that's, that's, that's not the way. The care of our Lord, though, in sufferings. Then look at the coming resurrection of the saints that we uh, saw in verse 24 and verse 25. Verse 24 and verse 25, he says, Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? The resurrection of the saints of God is coming. We're assured by two great things. We're assured by the word of the Lord Jesus Christ, the word of God. And we're assured by his own resurrection. Because he rose, you will also rise as a child of God. So, uh, you know, what, whatever the world can hurl at you, it can't take away that. It can't take away that. It can take away everything else you've got. And it can even take away your life physically, but it can't take away your eternal life. And it can't take away the promise from God that you will rise again. And he says to them, believeth. He said to Martha, he really says it to all of them, believeth thou this? Do you believe this? And so uh, the question is for you this morning, do you believe this? Do you believe that the Lord Jesus Christ will come again and will raise you from the dead if you're in the grave or will take you into his presence if you remain yet alive. Uh, the uh, words of Martha to her sister Mary were, the master is come and calleth for thee, verse 28. And I say the same to you today. The master is come and he calleth for thee today. If you're here today and you don't have this confidence that you are among those that will be called into his presence when he comes again, then come to Christ today. Because I'm telling you, the Master is come, and he does call for thee. Uh, he does call for thee. It's a sad, it's a sad uh, misinterpretation of the Scripture when uh, radio preachers, some uh, get on and say that uh, if you're not one of this uh, very small sliver of what's called the elect, then you have no hope of life, you have no hope of forgiveness, that you are born to die and burn in hell for all eternity. That's awful. That's an awful message that some preach, the misconception of the doctrine of election. They just don't get it. They don't understand biblical election. They don't understand biblical predestination, biblical foreknowledge. They don't understand the biblical doctrines. Uh, they uh, interpret them uh, as Mr. Calvin did uh, in a perverse way to suggest that most of us here are condemned to everlasting judgment in hell, and but a sliver of us are the few, the elect, that God has chosen to save and to uh, take to heaven. What a, what a um, you know, damnable doctrine that would be if we had to preach such a thing, that uh, in, God's, uh, in God's wisdom that he, that he ordained uh, that the vast majority of all ever born and who have ever lived were condemned without hope of salvation to eternal destruction in hell. What an awful thing. But let me tell you, if you're not among the elect this day, you are destined for hell. And I want to say that uh, the elect are those that have been chosen by God and have come to Him. But the great thing is that the choice, 
that he makes is based on your response to the gospel. So when you respond to the gospel and trust him as your savior, you come into that family of the saved and you come into that body that is called the elect. In the scripture, we see the elect as a body of persons that have uh, that are constituted by those that have come to Christ and been born again. Uh, and so thank God for that. The scripture never indicates that, uh, you know, God arbitrarily, uh, one by one and person by person, says yes to you and no to you and yes to you and no to you and no to you and no to you. That's not what the term elect is. The term elect is applied to a body of believers that have uh, come to Christ. It's applied to the nation of Israel as well, who are the elect nation, the nation that God has chosen uh, out of all the nations. He's chosen the elect. He's chosen Israel as his elect nation. Uh, and the purposes that they were elected for are given to us in the Bible. But thank God that you have the opportunity by the grace of God and through the mercy of God to be part of that body known as the elect. It's through his grace. It's by his mercy. And he's even going to give you the faith to believe that. He's going to give it all to you. There's nothing, there's nothing left for you to bring to the table, you know. Nothing left for you to bring to the table. You say, well, I'm, you know, I'm by an act of volition believing on him. But God gives us the, the ability even to believe on him. Uh, and so, uh, you know, to as many as believed on him, to them gave you the power uh, to, to uh, receive eternal life. To as many as received him, to them gave he the, the power to uh, receive eternal life, to have eternal life, and to believe and receive. Those elements are given by God's grace and by God's mercy. So no, no place to brag in it. No place for me to say, well, I, you know, I did my part, God did his part. I don't have a part. <laughs> it's all God's part. <laughs> and, and he did it all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Uh, sin left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. I didn't, I didn't bring anything to the table. I didn't have anything. Nothing in my hand I bring, only to thy cross I cling. And so uh, that uh, all is done by the grace and mercy and foreknowledge and election and predestination of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's all done uh, in his hands and by his care. But thank God he cares for us all. God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. And he shed his blood not for us only, but for the sins of the whole world, the Bible says. He gave his blood not for us only, but for the sins of the world. And so there's ample payment for the uh, sacrifice for the sins of anyone to come to him. And thank God we have that assurance. He, he, the master is come and calleth for thee. I don't have to qualify that. I don't say the master is come. I don't have to say the master is come and calleth for thee if you happen to be this little sliver of persons who are uh, the elect beforehand. I don't have to say it that way. I don't have to say, you know, that uh, Jesus died for you. That is, if you're uh, in this little sliver that uh, the Calvinist calls the elect, uh, that uh, he died for you in that case. Uh, I don't have to say that. I don't have to qualify the, the statement in John 3, 16, that whosoever believes on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. I don't have to qualify that whosoever will may come. I don't have to qualify that and put you into a little small category. Uh, those are terms that encompass and embrace all who will come unto him. And he draws all men unto him. He says that 
if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. So the Holy Spirit is at work in every heart, drawing men to him. And the word of God is calling you all to him. And the master is come and he does call for thee. It's not just to Mary that he made that statement. It's to every one of us. Though he called Mary, he calls you. And I want you to respond as Mary did. You see in verse 29 what Mary's response was when she, as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Do the same. As soon as you heard it, arise and come unto him. Stop the service. Come right now. Come anytime you want unto him. Come unto him. His return is evidently very imminent, very imminent. We live in a culture that, uh, you know, is more and more abrasive against uh, Christianity and against the Bible. The judge who uh, was the judge of the, in the case of the woman that was convicted of shooting the, the man in his apartment, uh, the, the police officer that mistook the apartment, went into the wrong one and thought it was hers and shot the, an innocent man. She's convicted of, uh, uh, of manslaughter, of murder, I think, convicted of murder and will serve her time. But the judge called her in and um, opened the Bible with her at a separate time and gave her the gospel and the judge gave her, the, the judge was a lady judge as I understand it, this lady judge gave this convicted policewoman her own Bible and said you need to read this and you need to come to Christ and, and witness to her. Well that put the media and the socialists left into a tizzy. And they want her disbarred, they want her fired, they want her out, they want her removed uh, for, for giving the gospel to a convicted felon and hoping that that convicted felon may have the opportunity to trust Christ and be forgiven of her sins. I mean, some of the, own, some of the family members of the person that was shot and killed uh, were Christians and came and said, we want, her, uh, we want her to know that we forgive her and that she needs to trust the Jesus that we love. And so uh, oh, the, 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 you know, the leftist, communist, socialist media and the leftists uh, in, our, in uh, control in, our, in many places in our nation hate that, hated that, that the gospel was given, hated that she gave them a Bible, hated that a, a judge would do such a thing as that. <laughs> what a, what a uh, mixed up, topsy-turvy world we live in now. And I'm telling you, the, the case for Christians is getting to be more and more difficult, obviously. Uh, but uh, what we need to do is in these dark times respond more readily to the light. And that's what Mary did. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. I don't know how much longer it will be before Jesus returns and calls us home to him. But you certainly don't want to miss the call. And you will miss the call if you wait until after the trump sounds. You'll miss the call. You'll be left behind. You'll be among those that receive the strong delusion that Satan will, will bring to bear on the world. And you will believe the lie. You will believe the lie. You'll, you'll, you'll buy it hook, line, and sinker. You'll believe the lie of Antichrist. And you will be a follower, not of Christ, but of Antichrist if you miss the trumpet. If you miss the call, and you will miss the call... If Jesus returns before you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, and I want to encourage you to do what Mary did, arise quickly and come to Him. You see the compassion of the Savior there as He's moved to tears, the shortest verse in the Bible, the one all the Sunday school kids like to memorize first. 
Uh, really, it's all the old people like to memorize that one first. <laughs> uh, we can remember Jesus wept, but the compassion of our Savior is seen there. What, what moved him to tears? Well, many things did, no doubt. He saw Mary's sorrow, Martha's sorrow. That uh, affected him. He saw the sorrow. He was reminded of the sorrow that death always brings because in death there's loss. In death there's separation. In death there's the lingering memories of what once was all of those sorrowful things, he remembered all that. He saw in the death of Lazarus, once again, reminded of the consequences of man's sin, and he's been seeing it since Adam sinned in the garden. He's been seeing that death has passed upon all men, and once again, he's graphically reminded of the penalty of the sins of mankind, and it's grievous to him. Uh, sin, when it is finished, always bringeth forth death. So he was sorrowful of that. He wept. Perhaps he wept over how limited their faith was when he recognized that here they have him in their presence. He's the Son of God. He's God manifest. He, he is the one who has declared several times now to them, I am, I'm God manifest in human flesh. He, he has declared that so plainly to them and he's now in their presence and yet they don't understand who he is and what he can do. Oh, he could have helped Lazarus if Lazarus was still alive, but they think there's no help now because Lazarus is dead. They don't yet understand that the Son of God has the power of life and death in his hands. They still don't get it. And so perhaps that's part of his sorrow. Part of his tears may be the reminder of the bitter cup that he is about to uh, take as he enters into this last week before his crucifixion. He's reminded of that. And so the compassion of our Savior. But the calling of the saints there is seen as well in the passage we have. In verse 39 he says, take away the stone. And so the, the calling of saints is given there. He's saying to us, do what you can do. He didn't, you know, he didn't speak the stone away. Um, he could have, but what man can do, he has man do what you and I can do in the light he has us to do take away the stone what can be done by human hands we can do and uh, we come up with reasons why we can't do the things that God's called us to do but we ought to be doing what God's told us to do and then leave the rest that we can't do unto him so uh, that's the call of the saints the call to move the obstacles out of the way uh, to the purposes of God being done and that's a good call Move things out of the way that keep and hinder the work of God from being done. For believers, it's to believe. That's the calling of saints, to believe. If thou wouldst believe, and it's a, the if means it's up to us. If thou wouldst believe. And so we have that, we have that calling, to believe. To believe what he says. It, it, it's for believers to remember his word. He said, said I not unto thee, and he refers back to uh, what he had told them earlier about him being the resurrection and the life, and didn't you hear what I said? And so the calling of believers is to hear and remember his word, to remember what he said. The calling of believers is to glorify the Lord. And verse 40 we read makes that plain. Jesus saith unto her, said I not unto thee that if thou... Wouldst believe thou shouldst see the glory of God. That's the calling of the saints. But we see the 
at last the culmination of our Savior's work in verse 41 and 42, how it's connected to the Heavenly Father. He's praying and said, God, I, I know that you hear me always, but I am praying aloud that these here, my uh, evidence, my, uh, my uh, witness that I'm talking to you and you to me and we're in communication and that's my example I want to leave with them in this. And so it's in a demonstration of the power of the word of Jesus Christ. It's just the word of Christ that's all that's necessary to bring a dead man to life. Lazarus, come forth. It's just the word of Jesus Christ. He doesn't, you know, work any other kind of incantations or uh, magic or anything. That's just loud and clear. Lazarus, come forth. It's not like the peeping and mutterings of the wizards that we read about in the Old Testament. It's not like these uh, strange and uh, incomprehensible sayings that we read about among the false prophets and the wizards and the mutterers and the uh, necromancers and all of those that uh, imbibe and, uh, and uh, get mixed up in the occult. It's not like any of that. It's loud and clear, simply Lazarus, come forth. And we will hear that call one day soon. In 1 Thessalonians it says it this way, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. What a good day that's going to be. Could be today. Could be before we get done today. Could be just right now. Could could be the angel is stepping up to the edge of uh, heaven's glory and putting the trump to his uh, mouth right now. Could be, and uh, you need to be you need to be prepared for that. Oh, what a blessing this is that we see life brought forth out of death. Out of death, we see the freedom given to one who is imprisoned by death. We see how um, that. Uh, Faith is brought about in others as they see the glory of God here. Uh, but the remarkable thing about this is not that many believed. The remarkable thing is that they didn't all believe. That's what's remarkable about it. Don't you think you would believe if you were there when you saw a man raised from being dead for four days in the grave? Don't you think you would believe whatever the guy said who uh, called Lazarus forth? I think I can't imagine how thick the blindness must be in a person's soul that he does not believe then and fall at his feet and immediately worship Jesus as Christ, you know. But it says that. It says, verse 45, Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. But look at verse 46. But some, but some of them went their ways. Some of them went their ways. The ones that believed on him were recognizing that Jesus Christ is it. He's God. He's everything he claims to be. And it's no longer my way, but his way. But some said, no, no. Even though I've seen a man raised from the dead, and I, I have to admit that this must be something other than a normal man that's, that's speaking here, I'm still too tight about my ways. And so some went their ways. And they went to the, back to their way of religion and back to the Pharisees and back to the old dead uh, ways that they had gotten used to and they went their ways. That's remarkable to me. But it's still remarkable today that uh, Christians are changed and their lives are blessed and they're, 
they have peace with God and their sins are forgiven and they're, they're um, in fellowship with their Lord and others see the change in your life and see what has happened through Jesus Christ and yet still go their ways, you know, and don't believe, don't believe. It is, uh, it is difficult to comprehend, but the darkness of blindness is, is very pervasive. I want you to come to the light if you're here today and you haven't, haven't uh, uh, had that freedom. Uh, loose him and let him go. The grave clothes are, are cast aside and he's free in Christ. <laughs> uh, what a great thing. Lazarus had kind of a tough assignment, though. Lazarus had to die again. <laughs> Lazarus had to die again physically. So, uh, but at least the second time he died, he knew what was coming. He knew what was happening. Lazarus, you know, his soul and spirit had been in the presence of uh, paradise in, the, in Abraham's bosom. He, he had been uh, meeting all the saints, and he had been conversing with them, and then he gets the call to come back, you know. Uh, and uh, he must have said, oh, bummer, you know, i gotta, I got to come back. <laughs> I got to go back to the earth, and so, so. But Jesus is calling, and so um, I'm coming forth. So I'm on my way, Jesus. I'm there, and soul and spirit reunite with the body, and uh, God reconstitutes it. And he comes out uh, of the grave, and there he is again. He lives the remainder of his years and dies again. You know, dies again. But this time it's for good, and he's uh, in the presence of the Lord now, and shall be forevermore. You and I can have that same opportunity. Let's stand together and give an invitation. And uh, Now, Christian, our part in this is just to, to be uh, where Martha and Mary were and just to say, I need to believe God, and I need to take Him at His word and believe what He says. And I need to fully, fully uh, surrender and submit myself to Him uh, altogether. And so, Christian, that's our part. And then if you're here and you haven't got that confident assurance that You've been born again, and you've trusted Jesus Christ alone as your Savior. Uh, come and be saved today. Let's bow our heads together, and I want to ask you that personal question before we uh, sing our invitation hymn. We're going to sing 185. We're going to sing that Jesus paid it all, and, and we'll sing that in a moment. But with, with our heads bowed and with no one looking about, are you here? And you say, Preacher, would you, would you just pray for me? I won't call you by name or point you out or anything, but I'd just like, but between you and me and the Lord, I'd just like to pray for you that the Lord would help you to see the way to Him. So if you're not certain that your sins are forgiven and that you're a child of God, that you're part of the elect that God is going to take home with Him, uh, if you're not certain of that, would you lift your hand and let me pray for you just for a moment? My prayer won't save you, but I'm going to pray that God will open your eyes to see the light and uh, that uh, God will bring you to Himself. Would you like that today? Put, put your hand up and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm like that. All right, all right. Uh, someone else? Pastor, would you pray for me? I... I need that, that confidence that Christ is mine and, and I am His. Someone else, Pastor, pray for me. All right. Christian, the Lord has spoken to your heart about some things and, and has uh, helped us to see how important it is for us to be all in with Him uh, as, we, as we see the, the uh, uh, confrontation with Jesus and Mary and Martha and how um, her response was what ours should be to just in trouble run to him in trouble lean on him in trouble call to him and so my brother and sister in christ uh, let's let's ask god to help us with that maybe you're here and you need a church home you believe this is where god wants you to be then you come you're here and you've been saved but you haven't followed the lord of believers baptism yet you ought to come and submit yourself for believers baptism be obedient in that step of of obedience to the lord you come so we'll 
uh, have a word of prayer and then uh, come as the Lord leads. Father, we ask your blessing on this time now. We pray that as you want us to respond, that you'd help us to see it. In Jesus' name, amen. 185, Jesus paid.